Thanks for listening to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve the world. To find out more about Hope Church, be sure to check out our website at cthope.com. Good morning, Hope Church. I love this. This makes me so happy. And I have to say right off the bat, you know, I'm a parent, and if your child screams in the middle of the message, I will tune it out. It is a gift that mothers develop over time. So you're safe here. Um, And I want to start with a quick question. When is the last time, or maybe the first time, that you felt really vulnerable? We just had so much cuteness on stage. I felt like we needed to just bring it down a little bit, you know? We're starting a new series this week, Tom and I, called Verses That Shaped Me. And the idea behind this series is that you get to listen to Tom and I share some stories from our own lives and the way that God has used certain verses uh, to shape and to mold us in our journeys with God. But our hope is not just that you sit here and listen to these stories that we share, um, but part of our hope with this message series is that you will begin to notice those verses in your own life that God is using. Um, maybe, maybe you haven't even thought about that before, but maybe as you read the Bible, as you learn more about God's word, you find that there are certain verses that start to stick out to you. And what you'll find is that sometimes a verse will hit you in a very unique way, um, and God will use it to shape you in a powerful moment. Um, and yet all of our stories, as we've shared before, are meant to encourage and challenge and inspire others. And so our hope is that even some of the verses we share may end up being something you find significant as well. In fact, we'd love to hear verses that you, uh, that you may find significant. You can post those, tag Hope Church in that. You could even do the hashtag verses that shaped me. Message me on Facebook. I don't care. I would love to just hear some verses that have been impactful to you. Um, and I would also want to encourage you. I know we have some parents obviously here. Um, one thing my parents did for me when I was younger is they gave me this three by five journal or three by five note card. Um, And I pulled this out the other day and forgot about it, but my mom had us write down verses that came to us when we were kids that were important to us. And, you know, unfortunately, I forgot about this when it came to my own kids. So a parenting advice, if you want to do something a little better than I did as a parent, um, this is a great way just to encourage your kids to start recognizing that God wants to speak to them and that God wants to be involved in their life. So that's one fun idea you can try. And with that, we're going to get back to that, that awkward question I asked initially. What is the, maybe the first time that you felt really vulnerable? For some of us, maybe it's, you know, as a kid when you first fall and you break a bone and you're like, man, maybe my mom was right. Maybe I might get hurt if I don't listen, if I don't wear my knee pads, if I don't wear a helmet. For some, maybe invincibility starts to come as we get older. Those moments where we realize we can't do things that we once could do and, and that feels like a vulnerable moment. Maybe for some of you, and this is, I know this is a, a hard one, but, you know, your, your NFL first-round draft pick gets injured in game one, and, and then you're like, man, life is vulnerable. It could be a physical disability. It could be something that you're diagnosed with that every day is a reminder to you that, man, my body is not quite working the way that I would want it to. And maybe it's not physical. Maybe it's those, those emotional or those relational moments. 
Maybe a friend betrays you or um, a relationship doesn't work out the way that you hoped it would. And, and again, all of a sudden you have this, this realization in your life that, that maybe you could lose something. That maybe life is a little bit vulnerable for you. And so for me, there's this verse that goes along with this that has really shaped my life. And it's Psalm 73, 26. And it says this, My heart and my flesh may fail, but the Lord is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Sorry, my flesh and my heart may fail, but the Lord, God, is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. So I'm going to just tell you a little bit about my story and why this verse began to shape my life. Um, I think part of it is, you know, growing up in the church, there's a lot of verses that are very peppy and very much like, you know, in Christ we can do all things and everything's going to work out for the good of those who love God. And, and I believe that. There's, there's some powerful verses that we, can, that we can hold on to. But in my life, the older I got especially, I started to realize that sometimes life doesn't work out the way we want it to or the way we hoped it would. And so it started making me ask, well, is there more? Right? What, is, what does it mean to follow God when everything doesn't always go perfectly? What does it mean when we say, you know, everything's going to work out, but sometimes it feels like it doesn't? And so this verse ended up shaping me significantly when I was in my 20s because prior to that point, you know, I was the girl who was like, you know, if the guys can do it, I can do it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to like move the things. My husband would leave work and I'd be like moving furniture around while he was gone. And um, I remember like when I was 12, I was like, I'm going to arm wrestle the guys. I didn't tell them I was left-handed, so it's not really a fair, you know. They were like, oh, you're... Um, also, not a great way to, to try to get guys to like you. You know, if you beat them in arm wrestling, that's another, another tidbit. Um, but I was like, I can do everything. I can do anything. You know, and I was adventurous. I had gone on like three missions trips by the time I was 18. I didn't really feel afraid of too much. And then, in the span of like just over a year, a lot of changes happened for me. So I got married. And then just before we were married, it had not even been a full year of, of being married, and we had our first child. And right after my child was born, my daughter Charlotte, Charlie, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. And it, it happened partly during pregnancy. It was gestational diabetes, and they said, it's going to go away. Don't worry. But little did I know that really the gestational diabetes was a sign that I was, my, my body was failing me. You know, my, my pancreas is not a team player, and does not want to make insulin, so I distinctly remember getting the phone call from my doctor where he said, you're going to have this the rest of your life. For the rest of your life, you're going to require either insulin injections or an insulin pump in order just to live. And at the time, you know, I kind of took it with a grain of salt, but over, over the years, I realized just how many ways this made me vulnerable. Um, Little things like traveling. Man, you get, on, you get on an airplane, I have like devices stuck to me. You get on an airplane, go through TSA with something stuck on your arm and guarantee you they're going to pull you aside and, and wand you and it added oh, so much stress in those little ways. I found myself like when I would leave the house, I'd be like, okay, I need my device, I need my sugar tablets, I need my snack, I need my... And so suddenly this girl who used to be unafraid to go out and be spontaneous and be adventurous, I found myself really living this this some fearful, some anxiety. And beyond that, you know, you have this, again, this vulnerability of having this new child. And maybe many of you have experienced this. When you have a kid, suddenly it's not just if something happens to me, oh, guys, something happens to me. It's like, man, if something happens to me, what's going to happen to my kids? 
And so you have this, this new sense of vulnerability around that. And I remember there were just times in my life, especially, um, again, in my 20s when I was newly diagnosed, where I would just cry out to God and be like, I don't understand, and why can't you just take this away and fix this? And I feel like it was in those moments that I could start to relate to this psalmist who says this, and his, his really brutally honest truth. He says, yes, my flesh and my heart may fail. That's true. My flesh and my heart may not last forever. They may give out at some point, and they will for all of us, right? And I think, for me, it's not just, um, it's not just those physical moments, right? Maybe, maybe early on in my 20s, it was, it was this changing and adjusting to a physical reality that was so different from what I was used to. But I would say, for my life too, in the last, in the last few years especially, maybe you can relate to this, but going through the pandemic um, has been a big change for my relationships. You know, we all kind of isolated for a while, and I think when we got back out there, um, I, I realized that some things had shifted. And there's been things that I've gone through in relationships, even conflicts and, and some, um, some differences and some challenges, that have really left me feeling in the last few years like some of the people I thought were going to be there forever in my life just aren't. And it's not even always that person's fault, but it's just this painful reality of knowing, man, man, even some of the relationships that were closest to me might not be there. People might hurt me. People might wound me. I might do that for others. And I have felt again and again this, this vulnerability. And so my heart fails me. And I... I imagine as we're talking about this, probably some of you are thinking of those moments in your own life, right? Whether it's a chronic illness or whether it is um, those relationships or those friendships that you've gone through. I love, though, that this verse does not end with, the, with what seems to be a little pessimistic, right? My heart and my flesh may fail. But rather, it says, but. And there is something extremely important for us at the end after this conjunction, in fact, the reason that this verse doesn't leave me depressed is that the verse ends with this idea that God is my strength and my portion forever. These things may happen, things may go wrong, things may not go as I planned or as I hoped, but God is my strength, the strength of my heart and my portion forever. God is my strength. That means that I can rest not on myself. I don't need to rest on my ability to do things, on, on my um, my strength or my um, abilities, the things I can check off my to-do list. God is my strength even when I'm weak. And I know that his power, in fact, is made perfect in my weakness. God is the creator of the universe. He's the one who sustains and holds us all. And he's the one whose love is, is so powerful for us that he would literally give up his life for us. That is the strength of God. And that is the strength that is available to us. And that doesn't always mean that we're going to feel strong. In fact, it means that sometimes we're just going to be like laying there like, I can't even, I don't even know what to do next, God. This is so overwhelming. I feel like I literally can't move forward right now. And in those moments, God is still holding us and God is still able to be enough. And then there's this beautiful idea of portion. And I, I, I kind of, I wanted to look a little more into the Bible and what this means. And if you do a quick search, um, like on Bible Gateway, look up the word portion and see how many times it shows up in the Bible. But usually in the Bible, when, when God talks about portion, he's referring to an allotment or an inheritance. So it was either like a portion of uh, maybe the sacrifice that would go either to God or to, to um, the Israelites in some way. It might have been a portion that was given to someone as an inheritance 
Um, in, in 1 Samuel, Hannah's husband gives her a double portion of food because he loves her. Elisha asks for a double portion of the Spirit of God. At least three times, the psalmist refers to God as our portion. And in fact, God refers to the people of Israel as his portion, which is this beautiful thing to think about, that we are God's portion and he is our portion. Can you imagine an overflowing portion? Can you imagine like going to a buffet and being like, I could pick anything from this right here. I, I, can, I can make a whole giant plate full of food and that is my portion. Or imagine like going and, and trying to build a new home on 10 acres of land and being like, man, I could just, we could do so many things. Maybe you think about, you know, when you're a kid and you look at um, a plate of cookies and you know when you're trying to pick which cookie you want to take as your portion, you're like, okay, i got to look at the size, the number of chocolate chips are very important. And you're going to look at that and you're going to find the portion that you think is fair for you, right? And it doesn't matter if it's fair to anyone else, but... And I feel like when we think about this, you know, this verse might initially sound like, well, life is cruddy, but at least we have God, you know? I don't think that is what this verse is saying at all. This is not, God is not a consolation prize at all. I think what this verse is saying is that, no, God is saying like basically instead of just getting that one cookie, you get the whole plate of cookies. When God is our portion, he is so much greater than anything else we could ask for or imagine in this world. That's part of what we sing about already, right? Christ is enough for me. Everything I need is in you. And you know, the truth is that sometimes it isn't until we hit those painful moments, it isn't until we hit those moments where, um, where our flesh and heart do fail, that suddenly we realize, hey, maybe this isn't all there is. Maybe health and, and the good things in life, maybe, maybe this isn't all there is. And sometimes it's those moments that actually offer us an opportunity and a window to experience the portion that God really is, to experience his enoughness. In fact, to experience the fact that he is, he is overflowing for us. His grace, his presence is amazing. God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. In fact, I would suggest that this verse not only then shapes my life when things are going poorly, it's not only a mantra that I can, that I can remember and repeat when I'm feeling lonely and, and discouraged and overwhelmed, it's also a reminder for me in those times when things are going really well. You know, I think we're, we are a culture that is uh, really defined maybe by our activity, by what we do, by the things we're pursuing. And I don't know if I have any like high schoolers in here, college-age kids, but what's like, as soon as you enter high school, like maybe ninth grade, the first day you get on that bus, people start asking you, oh, where are you going to college? What are you going to do with your life? And then it doesn't stop there, right? We go to college or we figure out a trade and we do our thing and they're like, okay, oh, are you dating anyone? When are you going to get married? When are the kids coming? Oh, yeah, well, what's, you know, what's your five-year plan? And I know for some of us, like I, I'm a, um, if you've done the Enneagram test, I'm a, at least partially a type three, and I really enjoy being productive. I really enjoy my checklist. I really enjoy um, trying to do things well and also make people uh, happy at the same time. So sometimes I can find myself like getting totally caught up in, I've gotta do, I've gotta go, I've gotta like always be doing something. In fact, I'll look at my husband this week, I sat and looked at him on the couch on Saturday, and I was like, how is it that you can just relax like a crazy person in the middle of a Saturday when there's all these things we could be doing 
And I think, you know, I, I'm like, what's wrong with me that I can't just sit here? And he's like, I, I don't know, babe, like, <laughs> that's your problem. Um, I have to be doing, and I think there's a part of me that without realizing it, my goals and my dreams and my plans and my life can start to get so exciting that they become my portion, they become my idol, they become a little bit of where I get my identity and my strength and my joy. And sometimes I need to remember this verse because I need to remember that God is always bigger and greater than those things. In fact, sometimes my goals, you know, I'm, I want to live a, a, a purposeful life. I really do. I don't just want to be busy. I want to be purposeful. But without realizing it, sometimes my goals can actually prevent me from living a purposeful life. And in fact, if you're sitting here today and you're feeling like, man, I don't know if I have much purpose right now. I, I feel like I can't figure out what I'm supposed to be doing and where I'm supposed to be going. Maybe you, like me, have started to confuse your purpose with what you do instead of remembering that God is the one that gives us our purpose. And that if God is with us and if we are walking with him, then no matter what we're doing and no matter where we're going, we are living a life of purpose. You know, I had a life coach ask me once, um, this was way back when, before I was working here at Hope, and I, I wanted nothing more than just to be this amazing public speaker. And so she's like, all right, I want, you to, I want you to visualize. I want you to have confidence. So I want you to picture yourself on stage talking to like thousands of people and, and what that feels like. And so I sat there and I, I like pictured this and I imagined it. And maybe you do the same thing. Like, what's that thing that you're like, if I could do anything, I would just love to be here. You know and the funny thing was, as I pictured that moment, as I pictured myself on stage talking to all these people, there was a little bit of an emptiness to that picture. There was an emptiness because I realized that it actually wasn't the stage or the people that I was really going for. And I, I had this, this reminder in the pit of my stomach that said, if you don't go with God, if, if God is not your ultimate goal, then nothing is going to make you happy. No goal, no, no achievement, nothing you get to is going to feel full enough because the fullest portion you could possibly have is already yours right now, and it's God. And I needed that reminder. I need that reminder again now, even as I'm you know, trying to go back to school and do all these things, and God is saying, it's great, Carrie. Go, do the thing. Do what I've made you to do, but at the same time, know that you need to go with me. And it's not, it's not going to be worth it to you if you don't. This very situation happens to Moses. Um, and I'm going to kind of wrap up with, with this idea. Um, last week, Tom talked a little bit about Moses and the story of the Israelites going through the Red Sea. And he made this beautiful story. Um, he really talked about how sometimes God leads us through these difficult times. And there's a purpose behind it that we can't see. And sometimes God is using those difficult things for our good and we may not realize it. But there's this moment after the Red Sea moment, you know, and Tom said that, unfortunately, as much as, as much as God was faithful and as much as God showed up for the Israelites over and over again, they were grumbling, they were complaining, they were not always happy. And at one point, there's this weird, there's this weird part in the Bible, Exodus 33, that talks about how um, God basically told Moses, hey, listen, I will take you to the promised land. That was what God, God told them all along. I'm going to bring you to this beautiful promised land that's overflowing with good things, but at one point, God's like, you know what? I'm not going to go with you because, because honestly, I just, it, it almost sounds like, he almost sounds like a parent who's like, I just need some space from you right now. Like, it's probably not going to be good if I go with you right now. And I don't know exactly what that means. Part of me wonders if God said this almost to elicit a response in Moses. Um, 
I'm not entirely sure. You can read that passage for yourself um, and maybe, maybe you have some thoughts around that. But this is what happens when, when God says to Moses, I'm not going with you. In Exodus 33, 12 through 16, Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said I know you by name and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. And then the Lord replies, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And this is what I love. Verse 15 is my favorite here. It stood out to me. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. What will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? I think what Moses is saying here, if you look back at Moses' life, man, he lived, a, he lived a lot of life. You know, he was this rags to riches story, this slave boy who was adopted into royalty. And then he, you know, makes a, a poor decision and he ends up in the wilderness for all these years. And then God calls him and be, turns him into a leader and he leads his people out of slavery and out of Egypt. And he's, he's this amazing leader. And yet for all his accomplishments, for all the journey that he's lived, Moses has learned a powerful lesson through all those years. That nothing he does and nowhere that he goes matters unless God is there. Not even the promised land, as amazing as that is, is going to be significant if God's not there. And so this is a little bit of Moses' story and this is a little bit of, of my story. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping that maybe there's a part of you that connects with this a little bit today. Maybe, um, maybe you're in that place right now where you've got a lot of big dreams. You've got a lot of goals and a lot of plans and, that's, and life is going well for you and that's fantastic. And as you go into those dreams, as you walk into um, those new steps, I would just encourage you to keep asking God to walk with you, to keep, to keep reminding yourself that it's really all about God and that nothing you achieve is going to matter without him. Maybe you're, maybe you're sitting here, though, and you're feeling vulnerable today. Maybe, maybe it's been a particularly vulnerable week. You know, the kid's back in school. Maybe there's been some challenges, maybe financially or physically or emotionally. You are really struggling. And I want to say I, I, my heart hurts for you and breaks for you because I know that those can be some such difficult times and dark times and lonely times. Um, and I hope you know you can always come up here for prayer, talk to anyone, and, and hopefully get some encouragement, um, even join a life group. That's been such a beautiful gift for me and my journey to keep walking and persevering when times are difficult. But I want you to know that I so believe this is true, and, and it's true for me, and, and it's true for you, that even when your flesh and heart fail, God is still the strength of your heart, and he will always be your portion. And so I believe we're going to end with a song. Um, and I just want you to, if you know the song, you're welcome to sing it. But if you want to just sit there and listen to the song, it talks about this very thing of God being our portion. And so I just, my prayer for us as we, as we listen is that God will remind us, no matter what we're going through, that he will never leave us or forsake us and that he's more than enough for us. God, I thank you. Um, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your hope and for your encouragement. I thank you that your um, strength for us and the promises you have for us are, are bigger than, than broken bones and, and broken pancreases and, and messed up relationships. I thank you that you see us and you hold us in all of our, all of our um, joys and our struggles. I pray you'd meet each person today as we wait on you, God. Amen.